Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rewind Wrestling Radio right here on the Rewind Wrestling Network where I, your host Ted Weston, along with my crew, OG Will, the New Mouth of the South, Tyler Peters, Rep Amy Veronica, the Temptress Witch Ivy, the Executive Nelio Cuomo Costa, the Presenter of the Key, Kevin Key, and the Cuz, Cousin Mike, bring you the best content in wrestling podcasting. It's the indies, it's the pros, it's anywhere you go. Let's jump right in to Rewind Wrestling Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rewind Wrestling Radio. I am not Ted, as you can see, because I gave his ass the boot and I took over. I'm the Temptress Witch, Ivy, and I am here with my Christmas blankie. And I also have the wonderful, the new mouth of the South, Tyler Peters. I have the oh-so-thick-as-fuck ref, Amy Veronica. And I have the wild cousin, Mike, here with me tonight. And we are going to be discussing... A little rewind for you guys. Mike won the last uh, little, I don't know, battle that we had going on with our predictions. And he gave us Halloween Havoc 1989 to watch. (laughs) So this was interesting. This was before my time. Um, This was actually a pay-per-view that I had not previously watched. So I was going into watching this blind with no freaking clue what the card looked like who was on it or anything like that so before I give any thoughts do the plug thing you know I don't know go buy merch go follow us on social media and everything insert Ted going on and on and on right here all the links are down below check out CCW Mike what are you eating looks like peanut butter (laughs) are you eating peanut butter It's the end of the jar, so it's like... Oh, so you got to scrape it and finish it. Okay. Okay, yeah. Good man. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) All right. So, Mike, since you were the one that gave us this assignment, I'm going to start with you. First of all, Halloween Havoc 1989. This took place in the city of brotherly love, our neck of the woods, Philadelphia, PA. And... I I do have to say it was a good choice. I did get enjoyment out of watching this one. And I know that you mentioned wanting to discuss the opening match, which was a 20-minute time limit. Um, Captain Mike Rotunda versus the Z-Man. So give me your thoughts on it, Mike. So this was the opening match that a lot of different federations use to get people drawn in where they put two decent workers in on the opening. But uh, the thing that stuck out to me is how much WCW kind of fucked up Tom Zank, the (laughs) Z-Man. Like, right there, the Z-Man. Like, why would that be your gimmick? Like, why would you? Just such bad, bad shit. Which is why, like, when everybody, like, lauds JR for being, like, this great guy, I'm like, dude, you're the guy that put Kevin Nash in a, like, paper mache helmet. <laughs> Anywho, um, the one thing that I took from this match was, like, I feel like Z-Man's really underrated as a performer. I don't think he can't gimmick. Um, other than that, like, it's nice seeing Mike Rotunda before he became IRS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of showed like his in-ring ability and you know where he stood as a technician obviously on the bigger better things when he went to WWE just like 
a lot of people in that era from WCW <laughs> did. But um, other than that, it just showed like, I feel like Philadelphia, especially like the crowds are probably the most like knowledgeable about working and know like when things are going on. So if you put on a decent effort in front of them, they react really well. And there's another yeah. match later in the card where you can obviously tell that they did not like what was going on and they were probably brutal. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, again, these were two great workers. Um, two names that I did know of, you know. I mean, I'm young, but I, I also grew up in a household with my grandfather watching every episode and Oh, well, at that's home recorded WCW thing that he could possibly get his hands on. I mean, he was like recording things on the V the, the VCR, like recording over some of my like Barney VHSs when I was a kid. Okay, so like sometimes I'd pop in, think I'm gonna watch Barney and Friends, and no, I'm watching WCW. So it is what it is. But um, yeah, I think for, like for me with that match, just seeing Mike Rotunda was was kind of cool because I'm like. Oh, and like for those of you who don't know who Mike Rotunda is, he is the father of like Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. Yeah. So I mean and you I can think actually see a lot of them like match just, style, like Yes. And like, and that was kind of out of this match, just watching this and kind of seeing him doing his thing, it was very like reminiscent of Bray, especially. Um, a little bit of Bo, even though I, I still didn't feel like Bo was like the ultimate prodigy. But however, um, let's move on to the next match. Amy, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about a six-man tag match that we have here. This, uh, oh my God, I can't even move my own handwriting here. Um, so this is with Steve, Dr. Death Williams, and mm-hmm. the Midnight Express versus the Samoan SWAT team and the Samoan Savage. So this was an interesting match as well. I thought. Let me hear your thoughts on it. So I I think I've said on this podcast I'm not the biggest fan of Cornette. So <laughs> just a, like nothing against him like as a manager. I think he, he's a okay manager but I just like when I saw him on screen I was just kind of like meh. <laughs> but <laughs> to not take away from that um, the guys in the ring I thought this was an awesome match because one of the things is, is like it took a while to get started. They were like playing with the idea that like you're never you're not gonna have that like all in all like three on three brawl, and so like you had the uh, Samoans coming in and out of the ring like yelling at the fans like talking whatever language they were talking, and then um, uh, um it really it was weird because like obviously the the um Samoan SWAT team they have a specific style that they wrestle. Mm-hmm. And then you have that clash with uh, Steve Williams and the Midnight Express. And, like, I think it worked very well. And the crowd got into it, and I really liked that. Um, Steve Williams looked awesome. Like, he looked like an absolute <laughs> monster going in there when he got the hot tag. Right. Um, and I actually appreciated the finish, not just because Jim Cornette got hurt, um, but because of the whole racket scenario where, he, like, he, um, I think it was Bobby Eaton, like, hit his head. Is it him? I'm not sure. Um, but he hit his head and then fell back. Like, I enjoyed the finish. Um, but, yeah, that's about what I, I kind of wish, like, 
I know, Mike, you mentioned that it was good to open with uh, the two workers in the beginning. I kind of wish this opened instead because I feel like it was more character driven and the crowd really dug it. And then to go back into the workers. But maybe that's just like this generation's like idea of building a card where it's like yeah. the 90s had their specific way. But like I enjoyed both matches regardless. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to say you could tell that the match following it was definitely the match to get the crowd to calm down. So that mm -hmm. they didn't blow the top out for the rest of the card. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, I still don't understand. Like even watching this to this day, I don't understand why the Samoan SWAT team went over. Especially knowing that, I mean, a it's weird seeing Samoans outside of WWE, but uh, b um, it just it was a weird match. Like neither team stood to lose anything by losing or anything like that. But it just seemed like weird booking to me. Oh, but, and also um, special shout out to like the Samoan SWAT team's entrance where they're just sitting around like twirling the freaking fire. Like they're pretending that they know how to actually twirl, but they're just like, yes. doing this. I was just like, this is so hokey, but I love it. Yeah. You know what? Like, shout out to Vince Russo for ruining uh, Steve Williams with uh, the Brawl for All. Mm. Yeah. I think the thing that's funny, like, for me, is just with, with watching these older pay-per-views, like, just the idea of seeing, like, the fathers of some of, like, our current wrestlers out there. So, obviously, we had Mike Rotunda in the previous match, but we also had Fatu, a.k.a. Rikishi, a.k.a. Father of the Usos in there. So, I think that was, you know, kind of another thing that I was like, oh, oh, my God. Where's his song? Like <laughs> trying to like put it together, and it was—it's really cool seeing these guys have different gimmicks, like back then compared to what I knew them as. So that's that's always fun, and I, I always love watching the Smellins. I think Smell wrestlers are pretty damn cool. So I think it's always a good gimmick to go with. Tyler, yes, Tommy Rich versus the Cuban Assassin. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a big fan of old. old Excellent. Yeah, I mean, you know, this was one of those matches that was, you know, it gave them a breather, the fans. I, I agree with mm -hmm. that after the, that second match. But I thought it was still a solid match. I mean, because you had, you know, Wildfire, Tommy Rich, a, a great worker. And then, you know, the Cuban assassin was that old school brawler. He, you know, they told a good enough story with the, the short enough time that they had the allotted time is what I was meaning. So this was still a good match. It just, you're going to have those in the card. You know, I agree. Philadelphia's got some great fans. I, I thought, you know, some Southern wrestling fans were passionate, but you guys, you know, are, are really up there. I mean, it, it's awesome. No, you guys, it's, uh, it was fun to watch. It was electric. And the whole Thunderdome concept, I mean, all these matches, we'll get into it, but it was just, I, I love how Rich was focusing on the arm. We, we saw that a lot, kind of similar stories throughout. And because you had to take away the power and strength and this this brawler that's very intense that's, you know, wanting to beat you up, wear you down. You've got to try to soften him up and weaken him. And to beat him with the Luthes press was interesting for that to be the finish. And we see Stone Cold Steve Austin use that, you know, throughout his career. Uh, so it was a fun matchup. There's not really a whole lot to break down. But, I, you know, overall, it was a good match. I didn't think it was bad. Yeah, I can tell you one thing. So it, it's really funny. Like we just had a conversation because my parents, like my dad and my stepmom, they're not like wrestling fans at all. So mm -hmm. um, their neighbor happened to be at their house one day and he's, you know, a big wrestling fan. And he was asking me if I had watched something recently. We were having a conversation and my stepmom's like, people still watch that. 
So of course, you know, I like go on a whole spiel. And then he was talking about how he tries to go to every pay-per-view that's in Philly. And she's like, I can't imagine that's like that big of a deal. And we're like, no, that's like Super Bowl, like coming to Philly type of style. Like people go nuts for wrestling in Philly. Um, so it's always like fun because a not everybody realizes that Philly is a hot spot for wrestling. Um, all right, cuz I'm coming back to you. Freebirds versus dynamic dudes for the NWA World Tag Team Championships. Okay. So <laughs> WWE's version of the audio for this match has been edited because Jim Cornette talks about on the show during this match how like the most like brutal town for the dynamic dudes because literally the crowd throughout the entire show kept shouting, Johnny sucks dick, Johnny's a faggot. <laughs> oh, really? Horrible, <laughs> terrible stuff. And, like, don't get me wrong, I do not share these views or anything like that, but it pretty much was, like, the litmus test for, like, their push and everything like that, and I'm pretty sure after that I went back to Japan. Like, I, they were around for, like, another year or so, but, like, they used to come on, like, skateboards <laughs> and like through the whole like Bart Simpson thing and it just did not work and when they came into Philadelphia Philadelphia just tore them apart <laughs> <laughs> oh man that being said like <clears throat> that being said like they weren't bad workers it's just it was a really really bad gimmick like, mm-hmm. really, yeah really bad gimmick that's the thing with Philly, though. And, uh, we will build you up and tear you down just this bad. <laughs> yeah. But um, one of the reasons why I picked this pay-per-view was because from top to bottom, it had, like, Hall of Fame-style, like, wrestlers in each match. Mm-hmm. Like, I still, think, I still think IRS is a Hall of Famer. I know he's in the Hall of Fame, but... I'm just saying, like, his run with Ted DiBiase was huge, like, the main event of WrestleMania. Um, but what I also liked was, like, there were a lot of Hall of Fame tag teams in this uh, pay-per-view. And you got to see a lot of different contrasting styles between the matches. And overall, it was, like, a really, really good match. Um, like I said, the crowd was really into it for all the right reasons. A lot of people <laughs> don't like... Uh, a lot of people don't like Jim Cornette. Like, literally a uh, heat grabbing magnet and that's all he's there to do is just piss people off and make them shout and get angry but <laughs> behind the scenes he's busting his ass the book and make sure everybody has the best most reactive like yep reaction to them in that they're in a spot that makes sense yep 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 I always think it's so, funny like looking back and seeing Jim Cornette just like he's just a very like quirky dude like and seeing him in 1989 <laughs> i'm just like oh my god like dude you never change you never he change had, he hasn't yeah had a bachelor party and instead of watching like stag films at the bachelor party he was watching wrestling tapes yeah i can see that <laughs> i can totally see that i don't know why oh my god all right moving along amy yeah. next match throwing it to you Doom versus the Steiner Brothers. So, fun fact, this is my first, as a tag team, Steiner Brothers, like, match that I've watched from beginning to end. 
Like I've seen Scott okay. Steiner work like through like his WWE run and doing the singles work, but this is the first time watching like the original uh, Steiner brothers work. And then also one of the first time watching them doing a promo together, which was freaking hilarious. Like I don't, I still to this day don't know what Rick Steiner said in that promo, but it was, it, it got me pumped up. So it was fine. Um, one of the big takeaways from this match, it was Ron Simmons debut fellow FSU alumni. Whoop, whoop. Um, yep. And then also Nancy Sullivan. Um, I, th- her, in that gimmick especially this was like the beginning of the woman gimmick i think like based off the the short amount of research that i did god damn she was stunningly beautiful holy moly (laughs) and so like seeing her ringside i was not unhappy at all um let me see what else did i notes on this um i i love the explosive power of the uh what do you call it um steiner brothers i really love that and like the the double team move where they put the doom smash into each other and then do the uh, suplex overhead. That was awesome. And then they roll them into the ring just to push them back out again and get another pop. Yep. That was amazing. Um, but yeah, like, no, this was just like, you could tell that this match brought the pay-per-view to the, almost the next level of mm-hmm. like, not just like, uh, like Mike said, the, the last tag match, like the Philly fans were just like, we know who you want us to cheer. We're not going to cheer them. We're going to cheer the bad guys. This one, like the Philly fans like woke up and we're just like at a 10 for the yep. entirety of this match. And I really loved it. So yeah, I, I thought it was a great debut for Doom. And uh, yeah. from from my research, this is not the last time that the Steiners and Doom go at it. Um, and I, I'm actually going to watch some more of them. So ah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, I think, you know, anything Steiner Brothers is always like something that I've always enjoyed watching because like, I'm like you, Amy, like you mentioned, this is the first time that you saw them. Like, again, I grew up with a wrestling obsessed pop-up so like he kind of you know introduced me to a lot of that stuff and via old VHSs recorded over my Barney VHSs damn it um <laughs> and I used to get so disappointed but I actually did ask him recently if he had any of those still and he said he has to look um but yeah so I, I agree with you there like Steiner Brothers always kind of bring it and they, they do a really good job um Tyler yes Lex Luger versus Brian Pillman mm. This one was yeah, think- uh, this was for the um, NWA United States Heavyweight Championship. It, it was, and I, I'll just say the the women love this match too. I, I can see why. But uh, you know, Lex Luger and uh, Flying Brian was a good match. I mean, Lex Luger gets a lot of flat because he did make it off his physique. I mean, you know, he was he came in got things a little handed to him, but he worked hard. I mean, and Flying Brian. I mean, gosh, I miss these people like beautiful Bobby. And it makes you just reminisce watching these kind of yeah. reviews. I mean, he was great. I mean, Flying Brock was an innovator. He was doing a lot of things we would see eventually down the road in a, various promotions. So he was somebody that doesn't get talked about enough in that conversation. Uh, the psychology both guys had Luger letting the fans get to him, you know, that Philly crowd y'all were alluding to. It, it was nice. Even the commentators bringing up that point. It, it, it was awesome. So this match surprisingly was very good. It, it wasn't a bad match at all. I think these guys were told a uh, good story. I mean, of course, you know, we saw a lot of arm bars. A lot of the arms were the focus, which if you think about it, Lex Luger, what, uses a torture rack, does a clothesline. So he was targeting that arm for a reason, trying to take away that power that Lex had. But both had a similar background in NFL. I th- mm-hmm. thought that was cool. 
you tie in their backgrounds. JR was always great at that. And uh, so that, that's my takeaway. You know, I think Luger gets a bad reputation, uh, right or wrong. And then uh, Flying Brian was uh, just that. He was unbelievable. So what a legacy he left behind. Sad. And uh, But at the end of the day, it was uh, Luger retaining, man. He just, they, they were pushing him. So I just, I enjoyed this match. Uh, it was uh, actually very good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I was always like one of those people that when looking back at old stuff, like Lex Luger was somebody that I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, the, see, seeing that that pop up on here, I was like, ooh, okay, here we go. We can watch this. <laughs> but no, I agree. Yeah, um, I, I was about to say, yeah. Good match. <laughs> ooh, I better blow the whistle on Yeah, myself. it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway no um, I, I figured man I, I was thinking of the ladies yeah I was like this is your match right here yeah well yeah it definitely was I mean you've got two two bookers in the ring mm -hmm. yeah women want to see oh, yeah. two broody men going right. at it okay next up I'm going to come back to uh cousin Mike and then for the the main event you guys will kind of just go around Robin and everybody touch on that but um next event is the road warriors versus the skyscrapers and Road Warriors are another favorite of mine. But Mike, go ahead, take it away. Yeah, and like this was another match where, like, I guess it really drives home that, like, if you don't have a main event on your card, if they're hurt, you can put like a tag team in there. Because I don't think anybody got yep. pops like the Road Warriors got pops mm -hmm. in the WWE or in the WCW. And I'm pretty sure looking at the card and everything like that, like, either the Road Warriors were the ones that sold the tickets or maybe Flair and Sting sold the tickets. They were yeah. the draws and yep. standing fair for a match. Even the skyscrapers too, like that was uh, pretty much like the peak, I guess, like the closest to the what the hell's the name of that? What was the name of the team that Sting and um, Ultimate Warrior wasn't like the Dingo Warrior or uh, like Blade the, Runners, the Blade Runners or something like that, mm -hmm. where it's like two really big guys. Yeah, they could work and everything like that, but like they were not the the focus of the match at all. Mm -hmm. So these were the guys that you basically like. You can't start a show with the Road Warriors because once you do that, you get people going home because they came out to see the Road Warriors. So you throw them in the back end. It was a decent enough match. I mean, the Road Warriors, it's known that they weren't, like, great technical guys or anything like that. Same thing with the Skyscrapers. So, at least I'm sad. Yeah. Like you said, they're a draw. It's kind of it. Um, all right. Mike, since you're still in the hot seat, tell me about our main event here. <laughs> Rick so the only clip that I could find online to watch this was about five minutes long. And it was the tail end of the match. Okay. So I did not get to see the iconic shot of the botch with the cage where it ah. has to go up and missed on the fire. Ah. But I know the visual, even though it was a botch, the visual of it actually happening was like something that like psyched out a lot of people because they thought it was really cool. But for the five minutes that I saw, I got to see basically the very tail end of the match and okay. pretty much what I picked up on was 
they use dirty tactics like with flair and everything like that to win the match because <laughs> the guy threw the flag and it wasn't the person who was supposed to throw the flag or whatnot. But uh, not a really big Sting guy, and I know a lot of people are like Sting. <laughs> like, like I've only been exposed to Sting when he was like, you know, hairline back here. And running around like Joker in TNA for the most oh, part. Oh, don't be doing my man sting like that. <laughs> Not the hairline back here. <laughs> Shit. Oh my god. All right, Amy. What are your thoughts on this match? So our audience knows I love car crash wrestling. So that that this match, like I, I was talking with Tyler before uh, you guys logged on and we started recording. I think the concept of the Thunderdome, like obviously it's one of the first iterations of Hell in a Cell, but like the uh, the gimmick of throwing the your managers throwing the towel, I think that is an awesome stipulation, and I think that should be used more. I don't think we like I don't know if someone's used it recently, but I I find that that a really compelling uh, stipulation. Um, I mean, I love me some Terry Funk. Like doctor, like the original murder grandpa. Um, so, um, I enjoyed that, and like I like the ending with the Gary Hart getting hit, and then like the towel flying out of his hand, and also the out of place booking of having Bruno San Martino be the referee was like mind boggling, but I was about it, like. But it was just such a weird thing to have there. And I love, oh, so this is like one of the things that always like I, I, I laugh at whenever they do like Hell in a Cell matches with tag team sometimes, or you have those tornado tag team, um, no DQ matches. I loved how they started off following tag team rules, even though it was a no rules match. Like you just had yeah. Blair and Terry like sitting, waiting for their tags. <laughs> Like, one of them would get in, Bruno would throw him out, and you're just sitting there like, why are you guys following the rules? Like, there is literally... When there are no rules. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Like, it, it was just a car accident, and I freaking loved it. Dumpster so fire. I'm willing to forgive them for the fact that they kept pushing that it was an electrified cage, and it just wound up not being it. So, but I, I'll forgive them for that, for entertaining me. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Tyler, your turn. Uh, you guys, everybody's brought up some great uh, points about this match. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I was just lost in it as a fan. I mean, I, I was a big fan of Sting, and Great Muda was incredible. I, I just think what he brought, his style, presentation, and with Gary Hart. To me, Gary Hart, man, has got such a mind for the business, if you really research him, and is just a great manager. He just knows psychology. And then you got Ric Flair, Terry Funk. For crying out loud, I, I did like love Bruno in there. I got to admit it was misplaced, but just having Bruno San Martino in there was pretty cool and Ole Anderson. But, you know, Sting doing the leaps, you know, it's nothing new. It, only he was a lot younger. It's a di big difference. But he did it in this match. I mean, the guy would take risks. The problem is now he's in his 60s. People are definitely worried. But that that's something that was interesting. If you draw the parallels, he was still doing that high risk stuff. And he just had a charisma, whether you thought he was a great wrestler or not, there was something about the presentation. They were really pushing the guy and he was infectious. And he had Ric Flair, one of the greatest of all time and Terry Funk. I'm with you, Amy, just two NWA legends and their rivalry. 
And just, I liked how they used the cage. It, it was funny how the, the commentators had to say it, it was something out of Tarzan using the ropes and everything. It just had those kind of corny segments, but it, it was cool. I'm, I'm with Amy, you know, it, it may have been a train wreck, but it was, uh, it was a fun one. And uh, you know, all the pyrotechnics, whatever the concept, I think meant well, it just uh, fell flat, unfortunately, but it was a good match. Uh, they, they worked hard and uh, I liked how Sting continued doing the splashes, like Amy said, with the finish and the towel. Uh, I, this was fun just to go back and watch. I know we could mm-hmm. critique it to death and then it, the parts we love, but it, it's just fun sometimes to get lost in it, this era. That's what I enjoyed about it. So that, that's all I was going to add to it. Yeah, I um, I think, you know, overall, first of all, it was a good, like, I think it was a good card. Um, I think they accomplished, you know, being able to put together a organized, meaningful pay-per-view. Um, obviously, this is like, way outdated in comparison to you know what the expectations of fans are today but at the same time I love to just kind of look back and go back to basics sometimes and and that's something that I think you know should be done a little bit more often um whether we you know whether at the time these were big names or not there's a lot of big names on this pay-per-view you know names that whether at the time they were big but like they have become big names so it's really, I think, interesting um, to see these guys way back when, um, to see the much younger version of some of the ones that we know and love. Um, and just an honorable mention, like commentary, we had freaking Jim Ross. And like, it took me a minute because I'm like, oh my God, he's so young. Because <laughs> like, I don't ever remember, like, you know, in my, my time of watching wrestling, you know, I always remembered good old JR. So to see him as like a little bit more, I don't know, clean cut up, moving around, a little thinner, you know, super young, no wrinkles or anything. I was like, oh, shit, that's that's cool. Um, and it was funny, too, because like even though he definitely had a little bit of a younger voice, you could still tell that that was Jr. Um, sure. I think, you know, we we just got overall a very good card. Um, it was it was stacked. We got some great entertainment out of it. So good pick, Mike. This one was a fun one, I think. Anybody have any closing thoughts they want to go over, or are we good to cut this thing off? Oh, no, it was fun if somebody else does. I, I, I enjoyed it. Amy, closing thoughts? It was some good shit. Such good shit. <laughs> Mike, closing thoughts? Uh, how could they mess up having such great talent? Their by like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know the answer to that one. But at least we can go back and watch it on the cock, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, if you recall having watched Halloween Havoc 1989, or if you want to go back and watch it and then include your thoughts, do so in the comment. Let us know what you think of it. This was a fun rewind. Um, definitely a little bit different than, than the ones that we've done previously. So I was shocked with how entertained I was with this one, given that, you know, it's a million years old and I'm, I'm such a baby. So they don't all have to be punishments. (laughs) No, they don't. That's the thing. And I think that I was a little bit nervous that we were watching something from WCW 1989 and, you know, given the dumpster fire of watching 
the one that I don't even want to name right now because oh my god, that was awful. But anyway, well, this has been fun. Yeah. <laughs> this has been fun. Let us know what you think. Do the things. Like, follow, share, subscribe. We will catch you next time here on Rewind Wrestling Radio.